Good morning. Welcome into In Focus on News Radio KMAN. It is a Wednesday morning, first Wednesday of the month, which means an opportunity to talk with our local school district officials here at Manhattan Ogden Schools. We'll also hear from the Manhattan Fire Department and Downtown Manhattan uh, Incorporated later on this hour. Joining us here via Zoom, we have Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Marvin Wade. Dr. Wade, good morning, sir. Good morning, Brandon. Good to talk to you once again. And joining us in the studio is board member Carla Hegemeister. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you again. Yes, indeed. I've uh, been uh, hearing a lot of your voice lately on the radio. so <laughs> <laughs> It's always fun. Yep. Uh, we've got a lot going on here. Uh, again, the school board has a meeting tonight, 6.30 p.m. at the Robinson Education Center. And I thought we'd maybe start first with announcements because this is a kind of a busy time of year for kids in schools, Carla. It absolutely is, and it's pretty fun to um, be thinking ahead towards finishing out the school year and then what is coming ahead in the 2022-2023 school year. So our first announcement is exciting for all of our kindergarten parents because kindergarten orientation is tomorrow evening, so Thursday, April 7th from 6 to 7 p.m. All 10 of our elementary schools will be participating in kindergarten orientation if you have a student that will be five years old by August 31st of this year, they are eligible to enter kindergarten in August. And if you're not sure which school your child will attend, you can call our transportation department at 587-2190 and they will look up your address and tell, us, tell you which school is zoned for your address. So that's an exciting night. I know that, that kindergarten is a big milestone for kids and parents and exciting evening for them. So that's the young end of our spectrum. On the flip end of our spectrum is that we have prom coming up. The Manhattan High School prom is scheduled for Saturday, April 23rd from 9 to 11 o'clock in the evening at Manhattan Town Center. And then our last announcement is that we are down to the last six weeks of school. And it's going to be a busy six weeks. We've got spring activities and athletics, music programs, field days, award nights, and then, of course, we have the Manhattan High School graduation and Manhattan Virtual Academy graduation. There's a lot going on, and uh, state assessments going on as well. I mean, my, I've been hearing my daughter. She's been talking about that a lot here. The uh, next couple of weeks are going to be doing that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot, there is a lot going on, including the assessments. And yeah, yep. that maybe a, a transition to pandemic plan just because it is on the agenda tonight as a small business that uh, things are going well in terms of, of COVID within our community and our schools. We were really watching closely there after spring break to see if there was going to be any kind of a spike and things have, have gone well. So uh, it's, it's great timing as far as being able to open up with the athletics, the activities, the programs, graduation, all of those things going on that, that part of the, the report tonight will be that we are even uh, opening things up more into the schools to be able to get community members in. So, you know, really encourage people to take advantage of the opportunity to once again visit our schools because a lot of great things going on right now. It, it's crazy to think where we've come from here. And, Carla, we were talking about this before we went on air, but, uh, you know, just two years ago here, and that was the 1920 school year. Uh, here we are wrapping up the 21-22 school year, and just eons uh, – ahead of where we were then, I guess. Absolutely. It's um, amazing time sometimes to stop and think about everything that has happened in the past two years. I think it's a little bit overwhelming that we have accomplished all that we have. 
um, two years ago, we were figuring out what what do we even do for the end of school and what does the next school year look like. We were doing um, drive-through packet pickups and supply pickups for students. And this year, we're really fortunate that we're able to um, we've had everybody in the building all year. We are able to safely um, welcome parents and adults back into our buildings. Our students are doing their normal activities, and um, we're back to those in-person activities that we all know are best for our kids. So when you stop and think about all that we've accomplished in the last two years, it really is um, pretty impressive that all of our staff and teachers, adults, families, administrators have just continuously stepped up to the plate and knocked it out of the park to um, serve our kids. And the partnerships we've had have just been been outstanding, that we had medical advisory last night and just the comments that we were sharing with, uh, and they were sharing with Riley County Health Department, uh, medical providers, others on the call about the progress we've made, how well we've been able to communicate together and looking toward throughout this this pandemic, saying, okay, what's coming next? What do we need to do to prepare? And, and uh, making it work has been, you know, really outstanding. And, and we did, last night was our, our last meeting of the medical advisory uh, we, with the progress that's been made with COVID, the, the dashboard numbers and things going the way they are, that we don't see a need to be meeting on a regular basis anymore. But uh, people will, uh, on medical advisory, are still going to keep in touch with each other. Just the, the relationships we've built through this process has been, you know, really something I appreciate greatly. I think that that is absolutely one of the things that comes forward out of something like this happening is that we have forged and strengthened relationships throughout our community. Um, we have now a framework to bring together um, public health in case there's another, just a normal flu outbreak or something like that that you would have. Now there's this framework and there's relationships that have been forged, um, whether it is in the medical community or just those all those different spots where a business owner or another organization in our community said, hey, they're really struggling with this or we need help with that. And um, those relationships don't go away. Those relationships can be nurtured and grown in different ways now with um, some exciting plans versus crisis response. And so I think that's one of the good takeaways that we can have from something like this happening. You know, and, and we're talking as though, we're talking as though, you know, COVID's gone away and it, we know it totally hasn't, but things have improved greatly and we are going to continue to monitor conditions. Um, we're still gonna have our, our COVID testing grant for one more year. So we'll still have our, our COVID response coordinators continue to provide testing uh, when it's necessary. Uh, for example, that the students come are going to New Orleans for orchestra, you know, be, have, being tested before they went on that trip. Just those opportunities are still going to be there for us to be monitoring conditions and you know keep doing everything we're doing to uh, get out of this. You know, uh, on the other side, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to be able to go have lunch with my daughter at school at some point because that was a restriction that's been kind of in place for a while, and that looks like that will at least go away somewhat here on a limited basis. I'm glad you said about the limited basis. We are going to be opening up, allowing more our parents to be able to go in and eat lunch with their with their children. Uh, what 
what we're, we have planned, we met yesterday as this administrative team that uh, will, each principal is going to have a number of daily slots available based on the size of their cafeteria, the number of students that are in there. And then they'll just have, ask for parents to call by nine o'clock in order to get signed up to be able to come in because we don't want to just open the doors and have you know a huge number of people come in all at one time so we there will be a process to it but we're definitely opening things up because uh, we've heard loud and clear you know people want to be able to get back in and we want them to you, you know, and another thing I, I was thinking about here is uh, on the topic of lunch, I know it was mentioned a couple weeks ago that the uh, free lunch um, uh, federal grant or whatever is going to be ending here at the end of the school year. That may create some sort of a challenge here, I know, going forward, uh, f- filling that gap. Uh, I, I know we've talked about food insecurity uh, with Carla here recently from the breadbasket, but uh, is, is there anything that the school district will be working toward to kind of fill that gap, Dr. Wade, going forward? Well, you know, I, first thing is, at this point, we are moving forward as though the uh, free meal program, that we won't be able to feed everybody like we have in the past. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we just haven't, like you said, we haven't got that federal announcement yet. If that were to change, you know, of course, we'd, we'd continue what we've been doing. I, I guess where I'm going with it would be, we're, we anticipate going back to the way it was pre-COVID, where it's really important for people to feel, fill out the free and reduced meal applications. That it, it helps us, it helps them with that process. And we had a our child nutrition program is outstanding, and they had a, a great program set up prior to COVID. And we'll go back to those those same practices, and. I think do an outstanding job of, of meeting the, the needs of our students and getting them fed. We have a uh, caller standing by. I'm going to let uh, Paul has a question. So, Paul, go ahead. Okay, actually, it's not a question. I, I, you were talking about reflecting back for a couple of years. It went real fast. Yes, it has, but I, I think we need to t- t- take a moment and reflect. And uh, I think the... Uh, Magnetic arrow points back to the superintendent that arrived about that time frame and has kind of uh, laid the groundwork. Seems like people are getting along a lot better. The school board's getting along. People in the schools haven't heard of any problems whatsoever. And uh, so, uh, uh, and I was a little concerned when you were talking about doing something else, you're going to replace him. Well, no, apparently you're just getting set up to when he does leave which I hope is a lot further than we're anticipating. He did not pay me to say this. However, he's a great <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, I, I well, I stopped and talked to him once in a while. He gave me two pieces of chocolate candy. Uh, is the only thing I can admit yeah. to. Well, uh, uh, all of you have a, have a great forever, and thank you very kindly, Superintendent, for being there for us. I... I'll speak to that, Dr. Wade, (laughs) because he's going to be humble, and I'm just going to um, say that there's no lies detected in what Paul just shared with us. Dr. Wade has been a stellar leader for our school district through a time that's been really hard, and um, he came along a little bit before that time period. He was here for a couple years before we were in a global pandemic, but um, I think that something hopefully that all of our staff and families felt was that he truly cared about all of us through this um, hard time. And he was um, 
just a wonderful leader. And I've, I personally, as the person who was board president in 2020, um, couldn't have asked for a better person to work alongside during that time period. And you don't have to say anything at all, Marvin. It just sounds kind of like a eulogy. And I do nope. you know, I will clarify <laughs> that, that I'm, not, I'm not planning on going anywhere, that nope. the conversations going on are about um, succession planning. Mm-hmm. And lots of businesses do it. And we felt there's a need with the school district when we've got, you know, and, and our whole conversation about recruitment and retention, getting good people, keeping good people. Uh, when we've got somebody of the caliber of, of Eric Reed here as assistant superintendent and we can do things to keep him here. Uh, it just makes perfect sense to do that. So we can continue, you know, Paul, Paul said things are going well. Uh, having succession planning in place helps to continue the, Absolutely. continue that transition down the road. I'm not, I, I'm under contract this year through next year. I'm not planning on going anywhere, uh, but it's just good, good business practice to have these, these procedures in place. So, uh, nice to have an opportunity to clarify that. Right. And it's nice too. some feedback that we get from our educators is that there's always something changing. There's always something new being asked of them. And um, we want to make sure that we're, we're providing them stability, that we're providing our organization that stability. We're working um, in executing our strategic framework and moving forward with it. And those things take time. And we want to have a steady course. We want to maintain our steady progress and keep moving forward with the plans that we have right now. Um, we don't want to do a 180 um, midstream. We want to just really hold a nice, stable place for our employees. And I think that's something that we've heard from them 100% over the last few years is that um, for their retention and stability, that's really important to them. All right. Well, we'll we got to take a quick break, but we'll uh, come back more with our USD 3D3 officials in a moment here on News Radio KMAN. Back here on In Focus News Radio KMAN, we're talking with our school officials here from Manhattan Ogden USD 383, uh, Dr. Marvin Wade, Superintendent, and Board Member Carla Hagemeister. 6:30 tonight is when the school board meets, and uh, there are several donations and grants to get to here, and. Uh, totaling $81,000. That's a lot. It sure is. That's exciting for us. Um, I'll just run down those those donations and, again, always express our gratitude for that support that we have. We had a $500 cash donation from National Christian to Manhattan High School for the New Orleans trip, travel and supplies. Another $500 cash donation from BHS Construction Incorporated to Manhattan High School for the orchestra trip to New Orleans. Um, as you referred to earlier, or Dr. Wade did, that trip has happened. It was eventful, and it was successful. So congratulations to them. I'm glad they were able to go. There's a $50,731 cash donation from the Manhattan Football Parents Association to Manhattan High School for the fitness center for equipment in that space. A $734.06 of Bella Vizix, DVDs, balls, and beanbags from the Alms Group to Frank Bergman Elementary. That's a great fun activity that the board got to engage in a few weeks ago. An $18,000 grant allocation from the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation to USD 383 for the Kermser Summer Reading Program. 
a $750 cash donation from Alta Prairie Incorporated to Eisenhower Middle School for the Worlds of Fun trip, which gets to happen again this year at the end of the year. And, and then a $9,816 equipment donation from Donors Choose to Anthony Middle School. And Donors Choose is essentially a program that allows teachers or administrators, school folks, to um, put out their um, asks for what it is that they're wanting to bring to their classroom. And then people can make choices about what programs or what, what activities, what um, supplies they want to donate to. And then Donors Choose is an easy mechanism for that to get compiled and then pushed out. So some exciting things that came out of those um, Donors Choose uh, campaigns were a filament extruder and filament for the 3D printer for the Kid Wind Club, which is an activity that's happening at the Anthony Middle School, and then math equipment for instructional time in the classroom, um, black lights and glow party items. Just There's lots of different things that each teacher can um, request to make their classroom experience more um, engaging with their students or help them with their activities that they're doing. And as you said, Brandon, that adds up to a grand total of $81,031.06, which is pretty phenomenal. And we appreciate that very much. Yeah. Just wonderful. Uh, a lot of grants there. And we read these each uh, time we have the school board members on. That's one of the higher totals I've seen in a while. So uh, kudos to everybody for giving. The uh, other items here on the agenda tonight, we have a, a few minutes left here with our school officials. Uh, under new business, there's uh, an item here, uh, item 9.4, and it's uh, the disposal of district modular units. Now, that may not sound like uh, an eventful uh, item there, but uh, as I understand it, Dr. Way, there's like seven uh, modular units throughout the district that are either going to be disposed of or uh, torn down, and that's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, it, it is, because going back to our 2018 bond, one of the things I, I heard, and I know others in the district heard, was uh, modular units are not what we want to have as a district for safety, security, maintenance, a lot of different things. So with the with the bond construction proposal, you know, it, it was loud and clear that those modulars need to be gone. And as we're moving forward with our construction projects, uh, we've got seven of those units, like you said, that, that need to be removed. We need to get them out of there so that we can have space to do that, some um, demolition, some construction work site so we've got seven of those units uh, on, on the agenda tonight is for approval to a purple wave auction company sell those units for us have somebody come in take them away so we can continue our construction projects so that that is an exciting piece knowing that the bigger picture and it's just one more indicator that that we're moving forward with our construction projects eugene field they, they identified punch list items. I'm not, they, they may be done with those items by now. Uh, moving forward with the construction, you can see it clearly at Manhattan High West Campus. Northview's got construction. Uh, we still got design work going on at Bluemont Ogden Elementary. Uh, our contractor has designs they're reviewing now for Theodore Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson. So all of those projects continue to move forward and it's, it's exciting to see what's going on in I just I love the idea that if you one of the things that we talked about is if, if there's a closet, if there's a cabinet, if there's a if there's storage space, you will use it. And I think that that's true of those modular units as well. I think as long as they remain on our books and 
in existence um, within our inventory, there's a temptation to use it. And that was something that we committed to moving away from, that we wanted everybody in the envelope of a building, that we wanted to have that equity. And um, sometimes it is better just to remove that temptation and put us in a position where we make the right choices. Uh-huh. And we do anticipate that they're going to sell, that they, they are in pretty good shape. They, they're set up for classroom usage. So they, they hold some value and look forward to getting those moved. All right. Well, that's good stuff. And very exciting to see that progress happening as the construction continues district-wide. I know there's a couple of uh, reports uh, that are be- being given here tonight. Uh, one, I believe, is on bullying, uh, right? Paula Haug is doing a report on that tonight. And then I forget. There's also ESSER 3 update as well. Yes, the, the bullying uh, prevention annual report is a lot of information about what's being done in the district in terms of uh, identification, reporting, education, curriculum com- components, the uh, teams that we have in each building to ad- help address bullying. So it's an annual report that, that's really pretty extensive about the efforts that are being made, including cyberbullying and other uh, timely topics. Uh, you, you also mentioned, let's see, what was the other one? Uh, the ESSER 3 budget update. Oh, yeah, ESSER, that, that's going to be, uh, I mean, all of these are good reports, but there's <laughs> been a lot of great work done by our ESSER 3 budget steering committee under Blue Fouts. This, uh, there's a lot of guidelines there about how the money's used. This is to help and respond in response to COVID and just where the money's going to go, what it's, how it's going to be used to make a difference, getting input from the community, from staff. Uh, administrator meeting yesterday, we spent a lot of time talking about who needs what and how can we bundle some of those packages for uh, best prices, things like that. So Lou's going to give quite a bit of information tonight on where we are at with that ESSER 3 budget. All right. So tune in tonight, 630, to the school board meeting, or you can attend, of course, in person at the Robinson Education Center. Uh, lots of good information always at our local meetings. Uh, Dr. Wade, thanks for the time this morning, and uh, thank you, Carla, for being here. Absolutely. Have a great day. Thank you, Brandon and Carla. All right, stay tuned. We'll hear from the Manhattan Fire Department coming up next on News Radio KMAN. And we're back here on In Focus News Radio KMAN. And our next segment uh, has to do with the Manhattan Fire Department. We have a couple of uh, guests joining us here via Zoom, uh, including Ryan Courtright, Assistant Chief Risk Reduction for the Manhattan Fire Department. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Brandon. Thanks for having us. You bet. And also joining us is uh, Rick Berry, Senior Property Maintenance Inspector uh, with the Fire Department. Good morning. Good morning, Brandon. Pleasure to talk to both of you here today. We are going to be talking about uh, uh, some some different topics here, including uh, some some uh, things having to do with yard maintenance uh, here in the month of April. Uh, Ryan, do you want to start first uh, with uh, construction update? Yeah, you bet. Uh, just real quick before we get into uh, really the highlight of why we're here today, but uh, just some uh, update on some numbers uh, here through the first quarter of 2022. Uh, our, uh, our overall building permit numbers are down compared to last year, uh, not significantly, but uh, we are somewhat lower, um, about 10 building permits lower um, this year than, than we would have seen about this time last year. Uh, however, we uh, our new home starts are, are right in line with last year, so we're still seeing a lot of residential construction. Uh, and I anticipate um, a very busy um, April and May. We've got a lot of applications that are in the pipeline that just haven't been permitted yet. So uh, I think construction is 
still going strong. I'm still seeing uh, strong numbers out in the Blue Township area that we cover as well. So uh, that's spring's always busy for us on the construction side of things. Um, we uh, do cover, uh, we have several responsibilities within our division. Uh, one of those uh, is also very busy this time of year and that's our property maintenance division, part of the division. And uh, that's what Rick's gonna speak to today. All right. Well, yeah, um, I'm not familiar with uh, what uh, kind of work you guys do over there, Rick. Uh, maybe you can kind of enlighten us a little bit. Okay, well, I'll, I'll sure give it a shot. Uh, my staff and I uh, basically do uh, enforcement of uh, property maintenance and ordinance violations related to uh, not only existing structure, uh, interior inspections, but also the exterior issues um that people see around the houses some of those uh issues could be uh, weed and grass violations um city ordinance requires weed and grass to be maintained below 12 inches tall um we also look uh, for nuisance violations uh, such as uh limb piles uh, throughout the property uh, trash tires uh, old lumber car parts, interior furniture, stored outdoors, and appliances. All those uh, items fall into uh, nuisance categories. Um, we also enforce things like trash containers uh, with, with uh, out proper lids. Uh, we, uh, have, uh, we handle the inoperable vehicle complaints if it's on private property. Uh, we also enforce the rental registration program uh, um, throughout the city um, and then we inspect annual mobile home park licensing so we have a, a wide range of property maintenance issues and um, um, with spring coming up coming around a lot of those come to the forefront and we're seeing a lot of folks i know this week uh taking part in the spring cleanup how much of a benefit is that to uh you know kind of minimizing some of the you know, uh, violations you may have, you have to write up otherwise. Well, that, that program is very beneficial to the citizens, uh, especially if they take advantage of the limb and yard waste pickup. Um, and as you said, that, that is going on right now this week. Uh, I believe it's the parks and rec and the public works crews that go around to do such a good job of, of picking up all that debris. Um, I did, I was looking at the map before we came on today and, and I see that there are, uh, in the center section of town uh, today, north of Anderson, between Manhattan Avenue and Seth Childs, and then the rest of the week they'll be in the north, uh, or excuse me, the uh, yeah, the northwest section of town and uh, southwest section of town. Hopefully to wrap that up. But uh, that staff does a, a great job, and it does help us tremendously. With regards to the uh, uh, the, the grass and the weed being at twelve inches or or shorter explain why that's uh, so important here especially in a season when it's we're not as getting as much moisture i imagine that's a little bit of a fire hazard well it could be that it also could be the uh just that um you know it, it, it's a harborage for rodents and, and snakes uh um you know it's uh just basically a uh, also it's just an adopted ordinance that the, the commission has uh uh, chosen uh, for us to enforce for that length. So it's, but th those are, the, you know, fire, road and harborage, those kind of things are part of that reasoning. Gotcha. Well, uh, any, any advice for uh, people if they have any uh, 
issues or concerns or, or any uh, complaints they want to wage, uh, how do they get a hold of you there? Well, there's there's a number of ways that they can contact our office um, by phone at 785-587-4506. Um, they can go on the reported app on the city website and report uh, concerns and violations. Um, they can also email us directly at risk reduction at cityofmhk.com. Um, and those will get uh, disseminated to the proper people. Um, that should be the contact info, though, for those three okay. methods. Is your office the office that uh, I would call, let's say, if I'm uh, in the in the adventure of buying a house or anything like that, to bring on an inspector here to take a look at it before purchasing? Well, for, for uh, we do interior inspections, um, but those have to be requested by the current property owner, a property manager, or a tenant that has a lease on the property. Um, so to purchase a home, whoever is selling the home would have to give us permission to do that inspection. Normally, those types of inspections on real estate transfers are done by private home inspectors. Um, the regulations may be a little different than what we've adopted for the out of the International Property Maintenance Code. Um, but we, we do approximately 100 interior inspections a year. Um, those are uh, normally about 75% uh, of those are normally uh, uh, through complaint. Um, there's about 10 or 15% of those that are done voluntarily um, from the owner's request. And uh, so it's not quite as many as you would, would hope that we would be able to do. But uh, Without a mandatory inspection program, that that's our availability to to uh, get access to those units. So your your primary focus is on the outdoors, and I I know a lot of folks uh, will you know they have stuff that just kind of accumulates on their property, whether you know for whatever reason, and sometimes it's not even intentional. Do you kind of work to uh, help those individuals? Uh, you know, find some alternative places to to dispose of their their items, or, or how how does that work? Well, if we, if we find a violation, we'll normally either put a door hanger um, on the door advising of the violation or we'll send them a notice, um, giving them a certain amount of time to, to take care of that issue. Hopefully that just opens up a conversation between the inspector and the person. And we can normally work on time frames to bring that issue into compliance. Uh, blowing trash will pretty stringent on as far as uh, taking care of that issue but the other issues if it's reasonable and there's a good reason why we need to extend time frames we're always willing to work with people all right fair enough that's good information uh, is there anything else uh, from your office rick that I, we haven't touched on you want to make sure to get out to the public uh, i don't think so i think uh, basically we want to remind people of the spring cleanup which we've already done and, and uh, just cover the the few items on the uh, as we're rolling into spring and and uh, try to get people aware of and take care of. So, all right, uh, Ryan. I imagine we'll probably at some point be uh, talking furniture amnesty day. That's probably next month. Am I fair in saying that? Yeah, it's uh, it'll be here before we know it. Um, it usually is on the hottest day of the year. It seems like so <laughs> uh, as the temperature heats up. Yeah, we're getting real close to it. Uh, we've had a few just preliminary um, conversations for, uh, for planning this year, but 
uh, as far as I know, that's a go again this year. And that's, again, um, just like the spring cleanup, that's um, a service or a program that really does help us uh, enforcement-wise. So uh, something that we support and, and we'd like to see continue year after year. So. Sure. Well, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention you know, today is a red flag warning day. So we have people with the fire department Absolutely. and just kind of remind folks that, you know, outdoor burning, not a, not a good idea here today. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd probably take the opportunity to remind folks, too, that we uh, we do have a policy for uh, uh, fire pits and outdoor fireplaces uh, that you can access off of our website. Um, there's just certain distances you have to be from structures and from property lines, but those those elements and uh, most importantly the we you're not allowed to burn yard waste or trash in them um, can't burn lumber things like that um, we do get um, calls this time of year uh, pretty frequently um, for people that are burning leaves and, and that kind of thing just want to remind folks that that's not permitted within city limits so. all right good stuff all right well rick appreciate you good meeting you and ryan thanks for being here as well absolutely Thank you, thanks for having me you bet Again, Ryan Courtright and uh, Rick Berry joining us here from the Manhattan Fire Department. Stay tuned. We're going to hear from Gina Snyder up next from Downtown Manhattan Incorporated. Welcome back into In Focus on News Radio KMAN. And it is a uh, quick moving hour here. We've got Gina Snyder joining us next, Executive Director of Downtown Manhattan Incorporated. Good morning. Good morning, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Looking forward to uh, talking with you here. We've got a lot uh, going on. Uh, downtown is an exciting place to be always. And, uh, you know, we'll, let's maybe we start with uh, what happened last night at the city commission meeting. Uh, the commission's decision to override the Historic Resources Board on the um, decision on the Art and Light Museum. Obviously, I, I, know, I know kind of where you, you stand on this issue. It's uh, quite an economic uh, development uh, initiative here for the city. Absolutely. I mean, it is... Um it is absolutely an economic uh, vital machine, I think, once it's finally put in place and, and even beforehand, what the jobs it's gonna create. Um, obviously, I'm very pleased with the outcome uh, from last night's city commission meeting and um, it cannot be stated enough, the quality of this museum, both in the uh, building itself and in the programming is just absolutely spectacular. It's uh, in lockstep with what downtown is doing as far as the arts and entertainment um, programming that we're doing. As you know, Third Thursday uh, is art focused and uh, we have now uh, eight murals in our mural corridor and we're getting two more this, um, this month actually. So um, it's, it's definitely a part of what we do. We're really, really excited about it. We're excited for the sales tax uh, revenue increase and the transient guest tax uh, increase, just the, the overall um, patron that are going to come down and, and spin off into other businesses and spend their money at, at restaurants and other retail locations. It's just a win for the community, for downtown and for the state. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see. Uh, and we're going to be talking a lot about that here the next probably year or so uh, as that project comes together, but uh, certainly exciting for uh, the downtown area. Uh, there's lots going on downtown. Where This is a good month, like kind of the transition month to the warmer months. Uh, April, kind of things pick up, and you've got a, a lot going on, including uh, in a couple of weeks, Pink Up the Pace. Yes, we're really excited about our annual 
breast cancer run. It's a 5K and a one mile honor walk. And uh, Stormont Vale is our presenting sponsor. And I cannot say enough uh, about Stormont Vale and how they've really um, stepped up to this cause. They've, uh, they want to be very involved. They're bringing in a mobile um, unit to do screenings and to help people with um, just being able to access physicians on that day. Um, it'll be open to everyone in the community to come down on, on that race day. Of course, we would love for you to walk or run in Pink Up the Pace, and you can sign up to do that as an individual or as a team on uh, our website at downtownmhk.com. And that's on Saturday, April 23rd at uh, 8 a.m. Where's like the starting line for that at, do you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Starting line is right there in front of AJ's Pizzeria, and it also finishes right there. The um, the route is straight up to the high school and back. So there's there's that big hill along the way on uh, Points Avenue. When you get on that hill, we encourage you with some signage to tell you to keep going and, um, you know, try to encourage. The signage is is cute. It's it's things like you think this is hard. Try fighting cancer. So um, we we think it's a, a really great run. It's definitely going to be another record-breaking season for us this year. We're hoping to be able to donate even more money to the Johnson Cancer Research Center this year. Uh, and, and of course, we just, we want, if you are wanting to walk or run in someone's honor, we want to be there to help you do that. Um, but obviously, the, the end goal is to give that money, sign that check over to Johnson Cancer Research Center. Absolutely. Good, uh, good uh, fundraising effort here for them. And uh, looking forward to that. Now, one thing I don't see on here, and I'm just curious, is anything going on for Easter? Because I've, I've, no one's uh, that I've had on the radio here talked about Easter egg hunting or anything. Is, do you know hmm. anything about that? No. Here? Downtown, we're not doing anything specifically. Um, but generally speaking, don't hold me to this, but in years past, the Parks and Rec Department at the city has uh, held a Easter egg hunt in City Park. But... Um, I don't know. Okay, actually, I, you know they were on this week. I wasn't on that interview, so I'll have to I'll have to listen back and see. Maybe okay. they talked about it. Um, but you know, there's other things going on in April. You mentioned the mural, uh, the uh, the two new murals being painted. So they are going to be what on display next week. They're going to start um, in the the week next week. They're going to start their painting. The okay. um, one of the murals is going to be in the South Fourth Street alley where the RGB um, the other three murals are, um, and then the other mural, which I'm really excited um, about the location of this one, is going to be on North Fourth Street at the alley there by uh, Charleston Wilson and the Riley County Courthouse. It's gonna be on a really excellent, great location where you can, when you're coming down, um, when you're headed downtown on 4th Street there, you're gonna be able to see it very clearly. Um, so we're just really excited to be sort of the, the central hub for these murals. We're gonna be creating a uh, mural walk um, app and a, a page on our website so that people when they visitors and and locals can um, get all of the murals in Manhattan in one location and um, hopefully just be able to walk to all of them and see them all it's pretty exciting yeah it is and, and you know public art is just 
I've noticed a lot of cities kind of embracing this more, and, and it's really kind of a, a neat endeavor uh, going on. It is. Um, sort of segue, This I, I need to tell you about this because this is really fun. Um, during our third Thursday series, event series this year, May through September at each um, each one, we have um, hired a um, professional artist who works with children to help them paint a mural. And this is going to be a mobile mural. It's, it's going to be... Um, I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'll, I'll leave that for everybody to see as it's unveiled over the next five months. But um, we want all kids of all ages to come down to Third Thursday and paint your part of the mural. And um, at the end in September, we will unveil the mural and uh, it will be able to tour around, you know, perhaps the library, bank, lobbies, lots of places are interested in having this this. Uh, universally loved theme which i'll keep on the under wraps um but i think it's just a really fun i've been wanting to do it for several years and finally found the professional that's going to be able to direct that for us so really excited about that yeah. so calling all kids all right that sounds great and of course at the end of the month uh the kansas science fest is coming to downtown mhk tell us more about this yeah, I'm pretty excited about this one. Um, several months ago, we met with some some uh, science buffs, uh, pro professionals from the area at K-State and the zoo and other areas. Um, they There has been a Kansas Science Fest in Topeka, and um, I don't know all of how it all came to be that, that we're, that it's now happening in Manhattan, but it is, it's happening in downtown Manhattan. And I'm pretty excited because local science scientists are going to be um, conducting experiments and having displays of uh, STEM type projects. It's very family friendly. We encourage everybody to come on out to the sidewalks in downtown. And uh, that one's on Saturday, April 30th from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. And you can just really engage um, with a local scientist and see the really neat things that they've got going. I've heard that there's going to be reptiles and um, all different kinds of science projects out there for, for everybody to enjoy. That sounds cool. And, you know, I'm just looking ahead here. This is exciting, too, because we uh, saw the success of this last year. The <laughs> mark your calendars May sixth because the U.S. Air Guitar Regional Championships are coming to the Wareham. Yes, we are really, really excited about this. We've partnered with uh, several other uh, businesses and Insight MHK, our our local nonprofit um, uh, art um, nonprofit, and uh, they have worked very hard to get the regionals to be held in downtown Manhattan. And if you saw last year's air guitar um, at the final third Thursday in September, you know how exciting that was. And so the regionals for the literal U.S. championships are being held in uh, the Wareham on Friday, May 6th at 7.30 p.m. It's free for anybody who wants to come down and, and watch it. It's a family-friendly event. And I think it's just $15 if you want to enter. Uh, you think you got the skills to uh, throw some air. We want you to come on down to the Wareham and, and test your uh, nettles against everyone else. 
So evidently, that uh, you must have gotten good feedback from that event last September to have this <laughs> come back. It was great. I I have to give all the credit to the to the guys at Inside MHK. They they just did a phenomenal job of finding such a unique thing. Who would have thought? You know, I mean, who who would have thought that there was something to air guitar in such a fun, significant way that it could be both on the international stage and right here on Points Avenue. I mean, you just, it, it was just a fantastic inter, uh, event to wrap up our third Thursday season. Everybody last year just loved it. There was a large crowd. Um, we had some local celebs in there. Karen Hibbard from the CVB uh, got on that stage and did her thing. I'm so proud of her. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Looking forward to uh, this in May for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Again, Friday, May sixth, seven thirty at the Wareham. Mark your calendars for that. That's a lot of fun. Uh, we got just uh, about a minute here left. Is there anything else you want to touch on real quickly here? Sure. Let's just uh, we we've started. We've. I'm very happy to say that we have a relationship now with with our local uh, Juneteenth committee. And downtown businesses are going to be participating in a, the downtown Juneteenth Art Walk. And that's going to be um, about 40 pieces of art by local artists. And uh, that will be on display June 3rd through June 15th in downtown stores uh, and businesses in their windows and, and some inside the business. And we'll have this on our website, Downtown MHK, and there'll be a QR code that helps as you're traveling along this art walk to understand maybe what the the art is and who the artist is and a little bit about that artist. Okay. Well, be sure to get more info as uh, time gets a little closer to that. Uh, lots of exciting stuff happening downtown. Gina, always good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, Brandon. Thanks so much. You bet. That's going to wrap up our show here for this Wednesday morning. Coming up tomorrow, we'll hear from NBAF. Also going to hear from some folks at the uh, – Institute for Civic Discourse and Democracy previewing uh, Kansas Voter Registration Day, which is next week, April 12th. That's uh, coming up tomorrow here at 9.06.